0: I confess, I was trying to play hard to get, but my nipples made it clear I was interested. (laughs) As they do. They do. Happens. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based live show featuring smart storytelling and anonymous confessing. Stories heard at Bedpost Confessions as well as sister shows Unspoken and Confess all explore themes of humor, vulnerability, and emotional justice on varying topics. No matter the topic, the highlight of any Bedpost Productions is the participation of the audience members sharing their own secrets in the form of anonymous confessions, which are read aloud during the show.
1: I used to have a world-class
0: clavicle.
1: Memory 1. I'm 13, 14. My dance teacher reports that my body is wrong for ballet. Too stocky of thigh. Too big of butt. I'm sad about this and I tell my mother and I'm crying a little bit. She says offhandedly as if issuing a casual curse. Well, you do have a full behind. Don't ever gain weight. You'll never lose it. I grew up a slender child. Puberty was not entirely fair. I did get the aforementioned full backside, uh, but no breasts to speak of, at least not early in life. And I was thin, which made my mom happy, but she would have preferred me to have a fuller figure up here. No boobs. I figure I could make up for it in other ways. Fast forward to my 30s. I'm Polly wobbling around on OkCupid, trying to date um, in an open marriage, and I'm struggling. Like I'm guessing a lot of us would struggle about how to write about our physical attributes. Uh, I used the coy phrase, I have a world-class clavicle. I thought it, I liked that description. It was, like, sexy but not sexual. Uh, it commented on my body in a way that I thought it might attract a person who would wonder what that meant. Uh, and what it meant was that the space between woo, bone and shoulder was hollowed out, kind of that... Um, you know, the Dior new look kind of thing, very 50s, it was in my head at the time. Uh, It was uh, indicating I was slender, uh, maybe not traditionally sexy, but I had something to offer. I don't know. That was what I thought at the time. I got compliments about my clavicle and the the path to the gentle cleavage below, and I enjoyed that. Caveat number one. This piece is not a fishing expedition. This is not self-pity. The story, if you stick with it, has a different purpose. Memory two. I'm in my first college play. The production is *Greece*, and I'm still dancing. I've been aged for the Rydell High reunion at the opening of the show. I'm in an unflattering costume wearing wrinkles. After the play, I seek out my mother for approval and praise. She hugs me and then she says, your butt looked pretty big in that costume. You better watch it. I wasn't shocked by this comment at the time uh, because that was a pattern with us. It was this fusion combined with distance, as if the only way she could love me was sideways and on the sly. And I did watch it for a damn long time, and things were fine for a few years until my clavicle went AWOL away a back. And I did what I always did. You know the drill. You decrease your input and you increase your output. I took up running, did a half marathon and a triathlon... You gained weight. I did paleo and then back to vegetarian. I gained some weight. I got plantar fasciitis, which put a kibosh on all the running. That, I gained a little weight after that. Little bits. Time over time. Stubborn. Wouldn't go away. Got my thyroid checked. I got my hormones checked. I asked doctors, various and sundry. Oh, you're just getting older, they would say. And that was kind of annoying because, yes, I was getting older, but when you're doing the work and your body doesn't respond, it feels a little bit like treachery. <laughs> And it may seem silly. I mean, I work hard. I do good work in the community. I try to produce wonderful shows. I, I'm a feminist. It seems like an unfeminist thing to worry about, but I did. Missing my clavicle was like misplacing a magical charm and that had secured my identity for a long time as desirable and in control. I find it... Amazing what we hold as magical symbols, which are literal sometimes and figurative others. We hold these powers over each other, against each other. We have magical thinking about what they mean, who we are. And they're layered and intricate. Memory three. Even in her 60s, my mother smokes and eats very little to keep herself thin. The rest of her family is bigger boned, heavier than she is. Her difference is the only currency she has, the only way to win some kind of invisible, unheard argument between siblings. That's her magic spell. After college, when I graduate, she and I are the same height and size, but she has more length in her leg. She holds this inch of femur over me. Every time we visit, like up until... A long time. We would drive in the same car. She would say, Oh, I've got to push the seat back. My legs are longer than yours. (laughs) This length made her superior. I come to expect it and welcome it, if just to get it over with. Now, she may have her legs, but then I would look and I would have my clavicle, so everything was okay. My husband, who's gracious and loving and wise, pointed out the time so is the thinnest, were the times I was the most despairing. After a horrific breakup with my first real love in college, my sexuality, going from girl to woman, undid me into denying my body. After having my first and my second child, I was in the grips of postpartum depression in a huge way. Motherhood was literally consuming me. And after moving my mother here when she developed Alzheimer's, I was responsible for all of her things, her life. I had two small children, a husband in school, and a mother to care for. I withered away just alongside her. Her slimness was due to the illness, and mine, not enough nurturing to go around. Caveat two, I'm not judging anybody's body but mine, and in fact the women I have loved and made love to were lush and full and powerfully bodied. They were present and comfortable in their flesh in a way I couldn't be. Memory four. We're in Athens, trying to get my mom to see a doctor for a colonoscopy. Besides the Alzheimer's, something is wrong. She's real, thin, and cannot eat without vomiting. She weighs 105 pounds. I tell her this. She smiles. I get on the scale later myself. Yeah, I'm thin. Years went by, Alzheimer's, and pneumonia finally overtook her, and she died in the summer of 2013. I was spent from years of caretaking, from grieving in slow motion. Mentally, I was all over the place, pouring manic energy into activism and online work. Physically, though, I moved little. From couch, to car, to desk, to car, to bed, as if I was using all the rest of my energy to hold off Grief. I was building an emotional wall of work and projects and involvement, which drained away the rest of my ability to move. I noticed, really, my bones, once prominent, fading into a background of skin. When I went to go pick up her ashes, I was stunned at their heft. It's, it's a box made up of a person. It's heavy. It was like a cube-shaped black hole made up of my mother (laughs) absorbing my light and attempts to leave her orbit. She sat on a shelf hidden in the back of a closet for a full year before I had the nerve to hold her memorial. Over that year, I would pull the box out occasionally just to say hello, apologize, listen. I could feel her glare piercing through the cardboard at me. I glare back and... I'd look at my body. I'd hold the weight of her in my hand, allow the guilt to simmer, but only for a minute, and shut the closet door, go back to work. I released her ashes in 2014. After the memorial, I thought that magically my clavicle would become visible again. It <sighs> <I> didn't. <laughs> um, my lethargy persisted. It was deeper, unyielding. It was a kind of depression that I don't think many people but the closest really could tell I was in. I felt like the main character from the horror film Shudder was like a murderer who is carrying the weight of this ghost of the betrayed on his back, bearing him down in pain and pressure. Memory five. During the final stages of Alzheimer's, she eats with abandon and without restriction or guilt. Every meal, every day, snacks even. She becomes fuller, heavier. She takes up space. She's blissfully unaware of her size for the first time in her life. But if she had known, she would have been appalled. She would have been filled with loathing and she would have been furious with me for letting any of it, all of it, happen. You let me get fat, she would have said. You put me in a home. And looking back, if I'm honest, I gained most of my weight during that period. Maybe it was a psychic Penance, guilt that I carried for not keeping her safe from Alzheimer's or not keeping her out of a nursing home, an undiscovered mirror neuron response, quantum, mechanical, emotional, umbilical cord. Possibly it was a cry for accepting me, myself, manifesting flesh, whether thin when she was thin or heavy when she was heavy, staying close to her in the only way I could, in the only way she would allow, sideways and on the sly. Caveat three, I am not a physicist, so what I just said is probably bullshit. (laughs) But it feels right. I'm not sure what changed this year on the second anniversary of her death. It's probably just only so much a body can bear. Perhaps I decided somewhere inside myself I was not responsible. Perhaps she just decided to lift off and go. I felt different. I felt like moving, like in a good way. Like going swimming and enjoying myself. Uh, I still wondered about the path of all of it. I mean, maybe all of this just could be aging and tied to metabolism, but maybe I needed the extra weight simply because I was carrying more on my shoulders. Maybe I needed the muscle because I needed strength to hold myself up. Maybe I needed the fat because I needed some padding for self-comfort and a hug. Memories aren't straightforward. They're more like fragments spiraling around a mountain or down deep into a cavern, and only at the end can we see the path that we've been on. There are parts of ourselves we hide from our own eyes until we're at the peak or the pit. It was a strange thing to realize that my clavicle was gone, but I mean, it's it's still there. Both of them are still there, actually. Um, They're just, you know, it's just coated in body that hadn't been there before. And that was five years ago. I felt the shame my mother would have wanted me to feel. And sometimes I still do. I can admit that. But at least this much has changed. I can look in the mirror and say, it may not be a world-class clavicle, but this body has served me well, and it's got a long way to go. It's my body, after all, not hers. It has to be able to live and love straightforward and openly. I'm thankful to begin seeing that maybe my body has known better than me all along.
0: Bedpost Confessions is produced by Julie Gillis, Mia Martina, and Sadie Smythe. Audio production is by Ian Danskin. Confess with us at bedpostconfessions.com. Until next time, we will leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, everyone thinks I'm an optimist, but after the things I've overcome and the state of the world these days, I've lost so much hope. I don't even want to bring kids into the world, and I don't know who I can admit that to. Well, you just did to us, and thank you. I confess.
1: Occasionally, I get the urge while thrift shopping to get a pair of silky gym shorts several sizes too small. go to the dressing room and strip naked then pull on the tight shorts and watch my cock grow (laughs) i
0: bet you just gave some people an idea